Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We get to talk about history today, and I'm pretty excited about that. Me too. <laughs> Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. Since we're talking about history, maybe we should talk with our friends at Concordia Historical Institute. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Daniel Harmelink, Executive Director for Concordia Historical Institute. Good morning, Dr. Harmelink. Good morning. And also joining us in studio, Molly Lackey. She's Social Media and Special Projects Assistant for Concordia Historical Institute, and she knows a lot of history. Hi, Molly. Hi, Andy. <laughs> no, no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Last time you were here, I was just like... I enjoyed the story. You shared so many great stories with us, and I just like kind of sat back and enjoyed the story. So that's why I think you know a lot of history. That's all. <laughs> I mean, so, she does know a lot of history, let's be exactly. honest. Exactly. <laughs> She's just being humble. So today we're going to talk about history and 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 archiving or preserving history, which is really, that, that's really your wheelhouse, right, at Concordia Historical Institute. Right. So history is not just about telling stories, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, especially for us as Christians, it's okay Where's the historical evidence, you know? And and so God gives us touchstones of the Christian faith, and that includes the history of the Lutheran Church in all different parts of the world. And today, that, that story is going to take us to India and the India Evangelical Lutheran Church. To India. Tell us about the what we know about the, the history of the India Evangelical Lutheran Church in the perhaps the elevator speech version, because I know we could go on for several hours about the, the history of the IELC. The elevator speech version. Yes. <laughs> so like a lot of things in the Missouri Synod, the mission work in India was not all planned out. So the leaders of Synod were all excited about beginning international mission work in Japan. So they had a student at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis Everything was just going right on track. We were going to begin mission work in Japan until in the fourth year of the seminarian's time at the at the seminary, he started making disparaging remarks about the professors at the seminary. And so the leadership was beginning to question, is this going in the right direction? At the same time, there were confessional, faithful pastors, missionaries in India who were getting more and more flack from their liberal mission societies in Germany as far as the, the, the integrity of Scripture. So right at the time that the leadership was saying, oh, maybe not Japan, they received inquiries from missionaries in India saying, getting kicked out of our mission society because we believe that of the integrity of Scripture – is there any possibility that you would sponsor us? So CFW Walth and others said, great, we'd love, to, we'd love to begin that conversation. So they actually came to America. They were interviewed. They were commissioned out of New Old Lutheran Church in St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. And there's a plaque in the, I think, in the narthex commemorating that or, or memorializing that. And they were sent back to India as Missouri Synod missionaries. And so Nather and Moan, these were the names of the two gentlemen. This begins basically international mission work for the Missouri Synod. What did that relationship look like then? Because it was a long 
history of that really, well, I guess it still is a long history of that relationship between these two church bodies. What has that looked like then over over a number of years? Yeah. So again, mission work in India, I mean, if you want, if you, if you want to go by the numbers, India is a very difficult mission field. And either dies of the plague early, only after a few years of doing missionary work, not seeing a lot of fruit. Mm-hmm. But very uh, synod is to be commended that we reached out to the lower, the lowest class of India and brought the gospel to people who really society told them they were not even human. And so this message of uh, Jesus died for you, for even you. As we sing in the hymn, you know, Jesus loves even me. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this, uh, the gospel, you know, expanded like wildfire among these collected poor class in India. So um, despite struggles, despite in- incredibly limited resources for the church, for the Lutheran church in India, the gospel continues to produce fruit. For a, a, a mission like that, which grows into a, a whole church body that that grows, that, as you pointed out, grows rather quickly. Just uh, why is it important to maintain historical records, documents? Why is it important to maintain that history as a as a church grows like that? To what can we learn from that? What value is there? Do you, do you want to take a stab at that, Molly? Why, sure. why keep why keep those <laughs> records of history? Why is that valuable? That's a question I've never body? thought about before. <laughs> you know, well, I think it really Christianity isn't a religion that just sort of pops out of nowhere. I I think something that's so important for us as Christians in comparison with a lot of other world religions in general, right, is that we it, it isn't it isn't just a story. It isn't just a myth. It's something that is historically verifiable, right? We we have more evidence for the existence of Jesus Christ than we do for some of the authorship of, I mean, the great Greek epic poetry, which is kind of insane to think about. <laughs> but, and I think that the importance of establishing that historical veracity and lineage is really important for church bodies too. I mean, the Missouri Synod doesn't just come about in a vacuum. It isn't, it doesn't just spring forth fully formed from the head of CFW <laughs> Walther, right? There's, there's this. There's an image for you. <laughs> And I think the same thing is true um, with our Lutheran friends in India. And by preserving this history, they can they can see, you know, a lot of the things that I think are, are still difficulties in this mission field have, have always been difficulties in this mission field. And there have been ways of, of addressing those issues and overcoming those issues that have been helpful that they can continue to learn from. And it, it just provides this sense, too, of kind of the communion of all the saints. I know one of the things that Dr. Harmeling talked about in the article in Engage is um, while they were going through the archives at the seminary in Nagarcoil, they started finding baptismal register records, right? So the, the names and dates of when people were baptized. And some of these were, you know, important church figures or family members. And there's something really incredibly moving about finding that kind of a record and understanding that, you know, we're not alone and having that very sort of tactile kind of historical experience 
that we also get to experience right in the Lord's Supper when we're 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 bound to this this communion of saints, and now I have like the thing in my hand that tells me some of those saints' names. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned the the archives. And going through them, so you were actually in India, Dr. Harmelink, and there was the cyclone that happened was right. in 2017 that, that that damaged some of these archives. So this was a Oki cyclone that went through and just devastated the campus. So over a hundred trees were were knocked down. All of the buildings suffered damage, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously the seminary was at the point where it's like we can't even have students on campus. It's just completely ruined. So not only the the history, but just the the life of that seminary was in jeopardy. So you kind of wonder. It's like okay, in in the midst of all of that human tragedy, why are we focusing on just old, you know, dusty records? And I think again, when Andy talks about you know the church growing quickly, I think that's a great thing. But one of the dangers is who's in charge of the institutional memory of that church body or that congregation or that faith community, whatever, that quickly is not is not honored or treasured. And so now you've got a bunch of new converts that don't know their history. They don't know their family. So, so I think it's, yeah, great. The, you know, Christ enlarges the church, but that, that means a treasuring of the saints that have gone before. So as Molly said, you know, at the communion rail, we, with with angels and archangels and all, all the company of heaven, this is another way that we have a touchstone with the saints that have gone before and actually learn not only our, our, our history, our traditions, but through that where, where Christ is directing us now. So the the India Evangelical Lutheran Church grew, has its own seminary, Concordia Theological Seminary in Nagarkoil. The seminary was also the place where historical documents were housed. It was impacted by a great cyclone. And so it, it impacted the obviously the the day-to-day operations of the seminary, as you pointed, that, that cyclone in, in 2017. And that's going to bring us up to where LCMS disaster response comes into play and Concordia Historical Institute as a part of that response as well. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Dum, dum, dum. 
Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we are chatting with our friends from Concordia Historical Institute, learning about the history of the India Evangelical Lutheran Church and that the, the records of that history as an important part of this church body. And you can learn more about this story in the spring issue of Lutherans Engage. You can find that at engage.lcms.org. You can find this article in there. Great article from our friends in LCMS Communications, Lutherans Engage. Dr. Harmelink, we were talking a little bit about the history, the, the more recent history of the India Evangelical Lutheran Church having a seminary in Nagarkoil and the, the, the historical documents maintained at that seminary and the cyclone that affected the, the operations of the seminary in 2017. And LCMS disaster response came in to partner with India Evangelical Lutheran Church and Concordia Theological Seminary there in Nagarkoil to learn more about what their needs were and, and help with responding to that disaster. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Ross Johnson, director of disaster response, invited you to come along as part of that team, knowing that their historical records had all been affected by this cyclone. Tell us about your visit there and what you saw in your first visit there. It was a mess. <laughs> It, it, they, you know, you, you're kind of prepared for it, but it, you're not prepared for it. So it was not only the archives, but the library was damaged. I mean, you know, there were the some of the roofs were gone. So you've got this kind of okay. What are we going to do in the short term just to get things so that they can function as a campus? But more long term, okay, how can we use this as an opportunity to to reclaim? these historic treasures that were on campus. So it was kind of a, you know, okay, what do we do in the next 30 minutes and what do we do in the next several years? So, yeah, the first two weeks there were basically we, we need a plan. And by God's grace, how, how, can we, how can we not only preserve, but how can we use these in a new and exciting way to inform the church where we where she's been and and again where Christ is sending her what did that archival process look like if i mean you're in the middle of of a place that's just gone through a disaster what does that actually yeah, look like to so, be able to preserve yeah, stuff yeah so you're asking where in the heck do you even begin <laughs> so we we got some like a small group of students that were on campus and we just set up tables in the courtyard and started hauling out this this material that was water damaged. Some of it was moldy. And the big thing is uh, some of this had already begun to be eaten by ants. Ooh. So the ants in, in around Niagara Coil, I mean, they're huge. You can... <laughs> You can put a saddle on them. I mean, yeah, they're huge. <laughs> and they love paper. Mm, that's a problem. So it was, how do, we, how do we clean these up and stabilize that condition? So that's kind of the, the it's like disaster response kind of stuff. So we, we began the, tri- it was a triage process of, okay, this has mold on it. We have, to, we have to isolate that, right? This is dirty. It needs to be cleaned. Get the ants off of that one. And, and we started putting things in protective sleeves, archive quality sleeves, putting it in f- folders and just finding a room. So they began the process of just, we need a room that's stable, that's not exposed to the elements, that some some of the environmental factors can be regulated, and we're going to start putting the archives there. I had also brought a digital camera, a copy stand, lights, laptop computer, hard drives, all of that to start digitizing that. But that is an incredible process. 
people come to CHI all the time and they say, oh, by the way, you've probably digitized everything at CHI. And it's like, no way. <laughs> How are you going to digitize 3 million documents? And, I, and I'd say, even if you could do that in a weekend, okay, all, all of it's digitized today. <laughs> well, how are you going to find what you're looking for, right? So it's, it's both digitizing and, and organizational management that is a, it's a huge problem. And uh, so the seminary people, I mean, we needed local support. And these people are reeling from the reality that, I mean, their whole life has been changed by this typhoon and the this process of of recovering the archives and restoring them and digitizing them as well where does this fit in the timeline of other response operations happening on campus at Concordia Theological Seminary yeah so it's all at the same time and and Ross Johnson you know God bless him for all the hard work that he and his team do I I didn't want to put extra burdens on him. So it was, it was good that I was there, and I, I'm just going to focus on the archives. You you guys, they also had to come up with a plan as far as how do we basically reconstruct the whole seminary campus. So it was, it was exciting, and uh, by getting you in a, in a prayerful posture, it was, you know, except by, by the grace of God, this is, it's crazy to even dream that this will be all rebuilt. What was it like for the students that were working with you in that archive process to, to go through the archives of their church body? Molly mentioned uh, this ha- almost immediately had a had a a connection with students who I, I remember one student came in you're right and these baptismal records it's like this is my great grandfather that's being baptized in this ledger and so I mean it was. It was kind of a tearful family reunion when people rediscover these documents had been on the campus for for decades, you know, but they didn't know it. So my whole thing is, you know, historical records, shame on us if we put them in a time capsule and bury them in the backyard. (laughs) The, The parable of the talents teaches us that they need to be responsibly used in service of the gospel if we just, you know, freeze dry them and put them in the freezer, then shame on us, right? So it, the thing was not only how do we preserve these, how do we how do we preserve them when mold and rain and and ants and insects are, you know, attacking them, but what's a God pleasing use for these things? So I know some of this created some collaboration then with exhibits and and things about India Evangelical Lutheran Church. Yeah, so we ended up after as kind of kind of connected with all of this, putting together a big exhibit on the history of recent admission work in India. And that that exhibit has come and gone. It opened up in August of 2019 and, and ran through February of 2021. So unfortunately, that was a period of time that a lot of people maybe weren't able to come by EHI because of COVID and everything. But what's great is we have, number one, we have the really, really good exhibit catalog is still available. And also we generated a ton of resources out of that exhibit that are all free and easy to download on our website. So we did... Um, Kind of something very similar to what we put together for the big 2017 Reformation 500, mm. 
where we have all of these profiles of different uh, missionary workers in India, starting actually sort of pre-Missouri Synod with a, a German missionary named Ziegenbog, who really kind of kicked off the, the really rich history of Lutheranism in India and then going through the 20th century. And what's great, too, is not only are these available in English for us, but also they've been translated into a couple of languages that are actually spoken in the Tamil Nadu region of India. So they're able to use them in their churches to help share with their congregations about their institutional history, which is, which is really, really great. Which brings us back to that question earlier. Why is it important for us to to maintain history in a church body? To and what a what an encouragement to the saints of those congregations today to yeah. see their history mm-hmm. and how God has provided for them. Yeah, how how God has been full to them and and cared for them throughout these many years. Why not? When this disaster happened, why not just? bring all those archives back to St. Louis and do all the work that CH I mean this is CHI's wheelhouse this is this is what you do is is take care of of archives why not just pack them up and bring them to St. Louis yeah, that would have been that would have been the easy way and i had to argue even with the church church body leaders that um as we as we said it's it's Missouri Synod history but it's also the IELC history ultimately it's Christ's history so they, the the people in India need to treasure these things. They need to, you know, own them. And uh, so my prayer is that even though we're doing the harder work of digitizing them, organizing them, all in India with very limited resources, I think this is the God pleasing way to do it. Yeah, for CHI just to come in after any disaster and just say, okay, well we'll we'll take them. Thank you very much. Um, may not be the the God pleasing thing. So, for example, if a congregation's going through difficulty, if a congregation, you know, God forbid, uh, you know, is devastated by fire or a natural disaster, yeah, our first inclination may be come in there, get the good stuff, and and uh, park it in St. Louis for the rest of its, you know, its permanent home in St. Louis. But I think again that robs individual local communities of rediscovering their history. And and I think that's that's a sad thing. What's the state of this project now? Because the cyclone went through in 2017, the the exhibit was in 2019. Now we're 2023. What what's happening with this project now? LCMS a response. I don't want to speak for Ross Johnson and that that department, but they continue to look for ways to enhance the campus even now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, same thing with the archives is we have pairs of students who are continuing to go through the archives, make sure that they're uh, they're not deteriorating, digitizing them. And then again, there's different languages involved. There's English, there's uh, German, there's Tamil, there's Malayalam. So these groups of students need to at least figure out, okay, what is, what is this document, what it's all about in all of these different languages? So it's kind of like, you know, how do you eat an elephant a, a bite at a time? <laughs> but th- this this will con- probably continue for years and years. Mm. And I think kind of CHI's role is to continue to be in a source of encouragement. If, if, question, if they have questions, you know, technical questions, we can be there. But um, this is going to be – this is going to be a process – processing decades and decades and decades of fill. And then again, asking the question, how can we use what's been digitized, what's been stabilized? How can we use this 
to enhance the faith and the life of, of the local church in India. Molly, how can we stay informed on what's going on with Concordia Historical Institute and what the current projects are and, and uh, get updates? Probably the best way would be, if you're on Facebook, to go ahead and give us a like. Concordia Historical Institute, we post about, I'd say, at least once every weekday. And we do a, a lot of stuff highlighting their previous things because we, you know, we've created these resources and we, we want to make them available and still for people. So we've got all of this stuff still up and we post about it pretty regularly. And then also we do highlights on Today in History, feast days, and church commemoration. We're currently actually working on a lot of other projects involving foreign missions. We're working on some stuff with starting to digitize and organize photos relating to LCMS missionary activity in Japan after World War II, which is super fascinating. And so that's a a great way to kind of keep up on all that is on our Facebook page. We also are online at ConcordiaHistoricalInstitute.org. You can sign up for a number of newsletters on there, and we post regularly about upcoming events and all kinds of fun stuff. So on Saturday, April 15th, we're going to be hosting our Spring Gala. It'll be a super fun day. We're going to have some activities. We're going to be opening our new exhibit on the Japanese Christian lock printer, Sadao Watanabe. We're going to be doing behind-the-scenes tours in the archives. Fun, family-friendly. There'll be snacks, even. So that's 2 to 4 on Saturday, April 15th. This is a ticketed event, and so tickets are $25 each or $50 flat for a family. There's also a seminarian discount available. And you can buy tickets at the door or online at um, concordiahistoricalinstitute.org slash gala. Very good. Molly Lackey, Social Media and Special Projects Assistant for Concordia Historical Institute. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Andy and Sarah. And the Reverend Dr. Daniel Harmelink, Executive Director for Concordia Historical Institute. Thanks so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.